Dior Talks. Hello, my name is Justine Picardy and I'm a writer and biographer. I've been immersed in the heritage of Christian Dior for more than 10 years since I started researching a book about the designer's relationship with his sister Catherine, who joined the French resistance during the Second World War and played a significant role in shaping his vision of femininity. Ever since Maria Grazia Curie joined Dior as the first female creative director of the brand, she has been exploring and reinterpreting that fascinating legacy, including the previously unknown role of Catherine Dior. Today, we'll be talking about this remarkable heritage and joined by Maria Grazia's daughter, Rachele, who shares our fascination with the history and cultural context of Dior. Welcome to the new episode of Dior Talks. So I'm very happy to be talking to my beloved friend, Maria Grazia, and her wonderful daughter, Rachele, two people in life that always make me feel happy and happier about fashion. Um, so this is a great joy for me today to be talking to both of you together. You're such good role models um, as, as a mother and daughter and also in your your relationships with with other women. You really do, both of you, for me, embody the meaning of sisterhood. But I wanted to start by asking Maria Grazia about your mother. We've spoken, you and I have spoken a bit about her in the past, but it sounds to me when we've spoken in the past as if she really gave you a sense of how a woman can be independent, which was quite unusual in Italy at the time. Yes, um, I'm very happy to speak with you, Justine, about this argument because uh, uh, I think my mother um, grew up in a situation very different because uh, she lost her father super young. And so also my grandmother decided not to marry again and to be uh, independent women. Yes. Uh, she started to work. And also she teach my mother to work and to be independent too, probably because both, uh, um, we are speaking about after the Second War, they didn't have other option in their life yes. and they don't upset to take a marriage again, but they would like to be independent. They would like to be decide about their life uh, with their point of view. Did your grandfather die in the Second World War? Yes, my grandfather died during the Second World. My mother was, I think, around two or three years old, and the other sister uh, only seven, four kids. My grandmother was uh, alone with uh, four kids, the younger, I think, eight months. So, and uh, she immediately said, I never marry again. So she found a job because she would like to maintain her family. It was really hard for my grandmother. Yes. But she was so, super strong. And I think also this example for my mother was uh, an important example. Yes. 
And she passed that on to you. Yes. I grew up in a family where the women all the time uh, never stopped to work at home, yeah. outside. So feminism was, was, you were literally born with a sense of what feminism and, and female and independence means. But I think what's so interesting to me about you, Maria Grazia, and this perhaps has something to do with your your mother as well, who worked in the fashion industry, that for you, fashion and feminism have always been linked. They're not separate, that they're very authentically threaded together. Do you think that's something you learned from your mother? Yes, I believe yes, because uh, my mother started to, to have an atelier to be a seamstress. Also, if uh, her desire was uh, to study, the, but for my grandmother, it was impossible to maintain four kids uh, in the school. So she decided to give this opportunity to uh, the two boys. And my mother was uh, angry all the life about that because uh, yes. she believed to be more clever of <laughs> her brothers. <laughs> But at the same time, she put uh, a lot of passion and all her talent um, in this job. And the relationship that she had at the time with all the women that went to the atelier to make a dress helped her to understand more about herself. The relationship with these women it was not only to do a dress, it was a really... A relationship with other women that has more opportunity of her to go around the world, to know more. Also women that at the time had a completely different um, economic level of her. Yes. That support her to evolve herself. I remember they gave her a lot of book to read. And this probably is also for that that she was obsessed with me, that I have to go to very well in the school, to study a lot and to find a job, to be independent, to have my money. And for her, education was something uh, super important for my future because, and also for my father. Too, because also my father didn't have the opportunity to study. And I never forgot that uh, also when I was super young, uh, he spent all the time to say, remember, if you have no good education, it's very difficult to go around the world. That's so interesting. And did you ever consider doing something different to fashion? Or did you always know that, that fashion was what you wanted to study. When I decided to study fashion, at the initial, my family, for them, was a shock because yeah. uh, they prefer more like um, traditional work, like uh, engineer or doctor or something like that. Uh, because for them, uh, was uh, a second choice because they yes. didn't have this opportunity to go to the university. So... I remember they imposed me to go to the university too. They say we can pay you the fashion school only if you go also in the university, classic university. And then for two years I did both. At one point yeah. I come back to them and they say I am sure that I want to do that. So please uh, give me this opportunity. And I started very young also to work uh, in fashion. Because they said to me, okay, if you want to do it, you have to pay your 
for everything that you need. Yes. So it was not so easy. <laughs> but at the same time, I think it was good because it um, was a, a way to reflect more about my choice. Probably when I approached the fashion, I didn't uh, know so well like I know now what means fashion, what there is behind fashion. But it's interesting because you worked for Fendi, which is a company where women were, you know, at the heart of it. So just as your mother had learnt about what sisterhood meant by working with other women, so too at Fendi you had that experience of very strong women with the Fendi sisters and the Fendi family. Oh yes, for me, the five sisters really give me so much about their experience, about opportunity, but also mentor in some way. The atmosphere that I lived in the Fendi company with the five sisters was really familiar, but also about sister work, teamwork, build something together. We are speaking in a time where fashion was completely different from today. And uh, the idea of also of the company was not idea of a company, but the idea of uh, our home, our house, where we stay together. Yes. Um, where everybody learns something from the other people. You yeah. was really teamwork. I remember them when I arrived in the Infendi. The first thing... Uh, that they said to me was, uh, we are speaking never in uh, first person. We said all the time, we are doing, we are thinking, in plural, because we are a team. I never forget. That's so powerful. So it's an expression truly of, of solidarity and the embodiment of sisterhood which is quite very unusual, I think, in fashion, because in the history of fashion, all the way back to to the 19th century, I would say, and Charles Worth, you know, who set up the first couture house in Paris, there was very often a sense that it was, you know, men who would be the, the great geniuses of fashion and that somehow women were simply dressmakers. This is a stereotype idea that was functional in my point of view for the man to be associated with this idea that is more closer with the heart, the genius, the creator, the couturier is completely different to the seamstress. (laughs) Exactly. Because they want to take off this idea that if uh, you work in fashion and you are a woman, is something that is uh, closer with domestic work, less uh, with the creativity. Yes. Uh, if you are a man, uh, you are uh, an artist and you are a yes. genius. But this yes. is happen also today, I think, for other work. For example, in embroidery, it's the same. If the women work in embroidery at home, they are doing... Uh, um, craft. Yes, craft, and they are doing uh, really domestic work. Yes. Um, if a man work in, uh, in embroidery, is um, an artist, uh, 
but the sad thing in my point of view is also because this is a close also with the idea, I don't know that is right, uh, the word in English, with a reproduction, because the idea is uh, the man, when are working in art, uh, is doing... Uh, is create something that is art because it's a creation. Yes. yes. Women in some way that reproduction also kids <laughs> is uh, that produce art uh, is not the same things. Uh, but I, As if women are the nurturers. So yeah. so women nurture and and nurse and feed whereas a, a man is is the creator. Yeah. It's very difficult to change opinion, to take off this stereotype idea. I yes. think that is not easy. Also because uh, inside uh, many women, and not only men, there is this idea. Also women believe that a man is a genius and they never recognize uh, another woman that could be genius at the same way. So is art. And it's interesting because you and Rakeli are, are so close and Rakeli is a is a new generation and I, I wanted to to bring in Rakeli here. And do you feel that it's different for your generation? I feel like the main difference with regards to, you know, feminism between my generation and my mother's generation is that Whereas we have maybe more of an academic understanding of what feminism is, we lack inexperience sometimes and we base, you know, everything we do on pure, purely what we've learned about in, at university or in school or what, very little on like what we have actually experienced in life. Whereas I feel like my mom's generation and my mom in particular, like she came to like theory once she had lived a lot yes. of that yes. on her own skin. And I do feel like that makes a great deal of difference. It feels like it's almost more authentic that way because yeah. you've experienced it on your skin and you know what it means. Um, you feel it literally yes, you in feel your body. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. The, probably the difference. Maria Grazia, do you feel hopeful about the future for for Rakeli's generation? Do you feel it will be different for them as as women? I hope, but I don't think uh, it's more easy. But not only for women, honestly, also for men, because yeah. this stereotype idea about also what means to be a man, I think yes. is toxic also for men. You have a son, of course, yes. and, and I have two sons. <laughs> yes, I um, think it's super toxic. Uh, this image yeah. of a man, uh, uh, that what means uh, to be a man is so toxic uh, also for the guys. Um, and the fashion also, sometimes uh, I'm very happy when I see that uh, the fashion break uh, this uh, kind of stereotype idea and yeah. the guys try to express with clothes a uh, different point of view because uh, I really believe that there is an image of men that is toxic uh, and is uh, in some ways a jail, this, yes. this idea also for them. So they're imprisoned in a certain stereotyped yes. view of what it means to be a man. 
Yes, probably it's difficult, but probably what we have to start uh, to think all together is uh, not about uh, our gender. We have to think about ourselves like a person, but it's so difficult to clean up our mind from uh, all the references that come uh, from the past, from this history. Uh, We have to know our history But uh, we have to know also that is a point of view. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) But the way that you and Rakeli relate to one another, which which I love seeing, (laughs) that you know that she obviously has. I mean, I when I met Rakeli in London when you were studying, and you know you have a very an extraordinary academic understanding, Rakeli, of politics and feminism. And do you often suggest things to your mother to read or does she discover them for herself? Do you spend your time talking about politics and feminism or or do no. I just imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... It kind of like began when I uh, when I moved to London and started going to university there that I got so interested in what I was studying and how yes. I was being taught all these interesting subjects like, you know, gender studies and issues like cultural appropriation, but like through popular media that as I was reading about them, I just got so excited that I wouldn't just shut up about it (laughs) and so my mom just like really got into it at the same time as I did so she started coming to visit me in London and stealing my books and trying to find them in Italian and reading them in English even though she doesn't really read English (laughs) and from there it just like started this conversation that no, but the real thing Never was that she criticized at the time so much That's, me uh, and fashion too. It's it's so interesting because there is a, a generational difference. I have sons um, in in their twenties, and they really questioned my um, views a, about gender, about fashion, in a way that was ultimately very good for me and very creative. But with you and Rakeli, it's really gone a stage further than just a conversation between, you know, mother and daughter. And that I can really see this dialogue emerging in what you do at Dior. Oh, yes. I think uh, like you to have two kids, because I have a Rakeli, but also Nicolò, uh, yes. so radical, both, uh, helped me to... Also to see my point of view with different angle. At the same time, I try to explain them uh, my background. But yes. I would like, uh, I was super excited. I remember the first time that I went with Raquel in Goldsmith. I would like to, to stay with her, to study with her, because I yes. found it so interesting, so inspiring place. But I was not so lucky like her. I didn't receive the same opportunity. I received very good opportunity, but not the same that she received or my son received for education to, to go around the world. So I think it was very helpful for me to listen to her and to learn from her and uh, 
for her probably to listen to me and to and to listen to me about my experience, real experience. Yes. And Rakeli, how would you describe your mother's work as a as a designer? I think that what she's done is to show that fashion and feminism are not mutually exclusive. They can walk hand in hand. How do you feel? Yeah, I, I feel like what she's trying to sort of demonstrate through her work that you can be feminist and still apply to like, love fashion and yeah. and feel feminine and and yet be strong in a way that is authentic and very I feel like she does it herself in her daily life you know she's genuinely like that and at the same time she's trying to sort of give to women a different definition of femininity that is not what they're they've been taught you know yes what I also I completely agree what I also like is how in every collection there is something that you know somebody of of your age Raquel can wear and love but there's also something at my age in my late 50s that I can wear and love and there's also something that a woman in her 80s Mm. could wear and love. I feel like she's so it's very inclusive in that way. I think that she's really good at reading what people and women specifically of like different ages generations and like Mm, origin can desire maybe it's because she can like she can sort of um, empathize with everyone or she can see bits of herself in different women that she can create products that are that like you know everyone kind of but Designs. I think because uh, I have an idea of fashion that is more a project. But empathy is very important because I think that sometimes fashion can make people feel bad about themselves. You know, that fashion can be the very opposite of empathetic, but fashion at its best makes people feel good about themselves. Uh, because they, I think the approach of uh, many designers in the past uh, was uh, to create fashion, to create some uh, an idealistic vision of themselves. Uh, yes. It's always a really narcissistic point of view of fashion. I, In my point of view, I have an approach that is more about a project, I don't, my work is not related to one body, or one woman, or one age. I do a project yes. of a jacket, a project of a pants. I don't relate to one body or one age. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's closer with the relationship that I have with my body and with myself. I think that I have no obsessed with my image, <laughs> right? Yes. Like everyone arriving in Paris was shocked because I didn't have a mirror at home. I don't look myself yeah. in the mirror. So it's completely different uh, the way that you work uh, for in fashion. If uh, your idea is not so related, an image of the body of a woman or face, uh, it's completely different. Well, I think that when, when as a woman, one's body changes from when you're a, a girl to a young woman, and then if you become pregnant, and then, you know, our bodies change 
with our experiences and that that changing body, it's very important. Your body doesn't have to be changed or or mutilated oh, to, uh, to wear the dress. I am obsessed with that because I think, uh, but probably this is background is also more my Italian background that come from uh, uh, in fashion. Italy started with pret-a-porter, you know, with couture. Yes, yes. And uh, I think uh, with industrial. So to create something that is creativity, but at the same time is a project. Yes. Uh, I think the most important thing that Italian fashion system did was to create uh, something with the quality of couture, but at the same time that you can produce uh, for uh, in quantity. Yes. If you come from this kind of a background, the idea is more about the project because it's not one of a kind. Yeah. Like a couture is. So the real thing is uh, to work uh, with a different point of view. Probably in, uh, I think, more in eighty, fashion became uh, closer with this idea of a glamour, that who was the model, more that the, wear, the clothes uh, could be where everybody. So with the era of, of celebrity, celebrity, and the celebrity and the celebrity model. model. That was a completely, I, I leave it that moment in yes. fact, so I remember very well. And yeah. uh, the belly designer forgot uh, this idea to make a project. I never stopped to think in this way also because probably I come from accessory designer. I'm obsessed with accessory. And in the accessory, you don't think about the body. <laughs> and it's why it gives so much pleasure to so many women. Yes. Because whether it's a bag or shoes, accessories just, you know, bring us joy. <laughs> but Yes, but because the approach for accessory designer is uh, to be a design piece that has to be functional. Yes. It has to be creative, but also functional, attractive, desirable. But it's not about uh, who uses these accessories. But my approach for a jacket is no different. I want to realize a design piece. It's a completely different approach. I really like what you've done with the sort of the, the, the 30 Montaigne collection so that there are these these beautiful classic pieces that come out of the, the language of Dior, including the bar jacket, but that have been modernized for a contemporary woman. And they feel very special to, to me and I know to other women. Yes, because also in this case, I think that the people that approach Dior, they desire something that represents the band today. Yes. And it's not necessary that you change every season. If yes. I have my bar jacket from the first collection, it's the same, the same material. Yes. Five years that I use the same, I bought three, I think, because I use it a lot. But not because I yes. want another jacket. And those timeless pieces, when we think about sustainability, are really important. I mean... A great design will be timeless, whether you think about the little black dress or the bar jacket, you know, you should be able to wear a bar jacket forever. It shouldn't ever go out of fashion. 
Ah, but I am obsessed with that. For me, clothes, uh, inside clothes, also my, my wardrobe, I a lot of piece of my mother that after yes. I saw that Raquel used it because for me, clothes are memory. So totally, uh, I don't use a piece only because uh, I like it, but also because remember me a moment in my life uh, or someone yes. that uh, gave to me clothes are part of our memory. The criticism that I have at home with my husband <laughs> and sometimes also with Raquel is because I want to maintain uh, all the peas uh, in my wardrobe. I, it's very difficult for me. I don't, because um, for me, as really each piece that I have in the wardrobe remember me as a special moment in my life or person and I don't want to lost. I agree. These these are precious memories. I I completely agree. I understand. And I think that when really goes back to the idea of love and that when clothes have been made with love, given with love, worn with love, that love remains threaded through them in a very magical way. Obviously, when we think about very important pieces like a wedding dress, that, of course, is something that is preserved and kept and remembered. But I think that it can also be contained in much simpler pieces and that by not discarding them, that they become authentically sustainable. Ah, absolutely. But it's so fun when I see Raquel with the leather jacket black that was of my mother. Yes. <laughs> and for my mother is a big emotion too. It must be. It really must be. <laughs> to see Raquel with the same jacket that she used for a long time, and me too, and yes. after also her again. I think it's like a transmission of a memory. Between it the is. different generation, between uh, different moments of life. Yes. Well, that is a wonderful idea and moment, I feel, to end our conversation. But I know this is a conversation that will continue in the future. It's always a joy to speak to you both. Oh, well, thank you, thank Maria Grazia. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. Bye. 